Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. This is Leora Mandel. I'll be joined with Rabbi David Aaron after the break. Have you ever asked yourself the question of what am I here for? Why am I here? Now, the me here could be Leora Mandel, me myself. Or it can be the general me. The, I'm part of the human race. And the question is why were we as human beings created? God is all powerful. God has no needs. Uh, God isn't lacking. So why does he need us? Why did he create us? Or if he doesn't need us, I guess that's what I'm saying here. Then what are we here for? We do know that man did not always exist. God has always existed. However, we can try to understand that, but man was created. That's the whole concept of the Genesis story, the creation of the world and the creation of man, of human beings, of Adam and Eve. And God has superseded all of that. It's important for us to know, which is, I think, why the Genesis story tells us that human beings were created. There was a time we did not exist. There was even a time the world did not exist. But what's, I think, really important to understand is why are we here? Why am I here? What's my purpose? Uh, Especially if, so to speak, God doesn't have any needs or lack. And I think the reason why understanding this is so important is because, as we all know, we have a limited time here on this earth, even if I live to be 100 plus years old. It sounds like a very generous allotment for today's day and age, but that's still limited time and I may may not have that much time, but I don't want to squander the time I have here if I am here for a specific purpose. If mankind is here to accomplish some sort of task, to be doing something specific, if there's some sort of purpose I would imagine God has in mind for my being here, it is important that I know and understand it so that I can use that time well and hopefully the time that I do have will be you know, used well, that I will fulfill my purpose. I think the worst thing is to have a purpose and feel like it was wasted. It wasn't fulfilled. But in order to fulfill it, I need to get clarity on understanding what is my purpose? What is the human mankind, human race purpose for existing in this world? What's the reason the world was created? And if you haven't thought of this question before, I think you'd agree with me that it really is fundamental in terms of the practicality of our lives, how we use our time, what our priorities should be, what our focus is. And just for clarity's sake, you know, I'm here. I think anyone would understand you don't want to, uh, if you're doing something, you want to feel like it's significant. I think the most frustrating thing is if you think you're doing something significant and you think, let's say you're working at some sort of big project and in the end it's all erased and it never really mounted to anything, that would be very upsetting and frustrating. So all the more so our lives are meaningful and significant. That I do believe. But what should we be focusing on? What is the purpose of my existence, of our existence? And that's what I'd like to ask the rabbi when we return. Soul Talk, Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel. Israel is located in one of the most volatile areas in the world. Israel is an island of stability and a sea of war and unrest. In the midst of this turmoil, Israel stands out as a beacon of order and human progress. Each week we update you on what's happening in this, the Jewish state, a true light unto the nations. This is Jay Shapiro. Join me every Thursday on Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome to Soul Talk. This is Leora Mandel with Rabbi David Aaron. Rabbi Aaron, I have a very big and what I call fundamental question that I've been thinking about. 
So it starts out with certain basic premises that I believe there's a God. I believe God created the world. I believe God's involved in this world. I believe God's all powerful, all perfect. Doesn't need anything from anybody. And yet God created me. God created man. If God is so perfect and all encompassing, then why, why are we here? Why am I here? What, what's the purpose of man being created? Like what sense does God, so to speak, need us? And what's my purpose of being here? Right. Well, first, just to be fair, you know, some questions get an answer and some questions get a class and some questions get a course. You just really ask the course question. Mm. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, I will uh, attempt to give uh, a very distilled approach to the, this truth. But really, if anybody wants to explore this in depth, then I mostly go into this in my book, uh, The Secret Life of God. But anyways, let's, let's go in there. You know, I think when we were all kids, we were told that God is good. And, um, and that was, you know, and as a kid, you, you, you accept what you're told generally. And then when we get older, we start asking questions that we never even thought of asking earlier on in our lives. And, uh, and if God is good, then the obvious question is, why is there so much bad in the world? And, um, and there is a teaching in Judaism that God created the world in order to give of his goodness to other. And if, if he created the world so that we should feel good, then why do so many people feel so bad? And, uh, and I want to I clarify that, that really... Uh, uh, God is not good. I think that's going to be surprising to people. Rather, good is what we call God. And the difference is going to be very significant soon as I explore this deeper. Uh, most people think God is a particular being somewhere in heaven, and he's a good guy, invisible guy, but a good guy. Uh, and uh, actually, that's not what Judaism teaches, that he's an invisible guy somewhere in the sky. Although there are verses that seem to uh, seem to convey that. But when you understand in a deep sense, the name that has been translated as God is yud Hey vav Hey, which actually means timeless existence. When you go deeper, and that's the book part of it. So you just have to trust me that the name yud Hey vav Hey. Uh, it is associated with the Hebrew word existence, Havaya. It actually is referred to as Shema Havaya, the name of existence. And it's also associated with unconditional love. In other words, God is not a being in existence. Rather, God is existence. And we always have to qualify it infinitely more because everything we're saying is relative to, to our ability to understand and whatever we're going to say God will be infinitely more than anything we could understand. But in the meantime, uh, God, when, when an atheist says, uh, I don't believe there's a God in existence, they're right. There is no God in existence uh, because God is existence or existence is what we call God. And existence is absolutely good. That's what Torah teaches. Uh, um, we, we have a teaching, Tov Hashem Lakol, Masab. Good God is to all. And so one of the hints there is that 
good is is what we call God, and and the whole name God is really the personification of good. Now, we, 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 I want to get back to your question, though. So, we, so what has it got to do with you and me? Well, so when we were kids, we were told that God is good. And what we're share, sharing here is that God is not good, but rather good is what we call God. And good is what was, is, and always will be. And existence, uh, is, uh, existence is good. But now the question is, what are the parameters of good? Um, can, does good have to be good or can good choose to be good? You see, um, let's say I have two friends. I don't, I have no friends. I'm just joking. Let's <laughs> add two friends and, uh, one is good, was good, always will be good, cannot, but be good. Uh, is he good? Yeah, he's good. But now that I have another friend who is challenged, he, uh, he has some real challenges. He, he doesn't, uh, naturally inclined to good all the time uh and um so let's say these two guys have been given the command to be hospitable well my friend who is good was good always will be good cannot but be good uh he'll do that in a in a flash i mean a blink he, he does that he does that anyways he cannot but do that he's always doing that my friend however who uh is uh, not you know, always naturally kind, does have some uh, inner resistance to kindness, has what we call in uh, Hebrew, yetzahara, an inner foe that challenges goodness. And he also, let's say, doesn't have so much money. And he's not such an outgoing kind of a guy, so doesn't really love to make conversation. But he knows that that's a really important value to be hospitable. And he chooses to be hospitable. Which one of my friends has demonstrated a richer form of goodness? The one who is, was, and always will be good, cannot but be good, is naturally robotically good. Uh, or the one who chooses against the challenges, rises above those challenges, and chooses to do good. I think we all intuit that the one who chooses good demonstrates a rich kind of a goodness. Mm -hmm. So let's go back to God. Uh, we say that existence is good. Good is what we call God. Good is the personification. God is the personification of God. Uh, does good include the possibility of a choice to be good? Or does good God have to be good? And I think we realize that, yes, it's a paradox that absolute good, while already and always being good, includes the possibility, it doesn't have to include the possibility, but it's free to include the possibility of a goodness born of choice. That's who you and I are. Each and every one of us is a piece of good. And we've come into this world to choose good. And that's why we're here. So, so to make it, try and make it a little simpler again, but go back to the book. Uh, Existence is absolutely good. Existence is what we call God. Included within existence is two values of goodness. A goodness that was, is, and always will be. A goodness that must be. And the possibility, the freedom to manifest a goodness born of choice. 
we're the embodiment of that goodness, goodness born of choice. Hmm. And so each and every one of us is, uh, so to speak, a piece of good. And so you got to ask yourself, what good am I? And you'll know what good you are by looking at the challenges that in, are in your life. Wow. Okay. <laughs> what you're saying is so deep, I so profound, <laughs> so complex, and yet also simple, meaning it. <laughs> I guess it's the paradox that it's very complex and it also simplifies such a uh, hard to wrap my head around concept. But let me just make sure I under understanding you correctly. God, by definition, is good or goodness is God, which means God can't choose to be good, so to speak. But there does have to be a choice for God to be good. And that's why he created us as we're created in the image of God. So we can make the choice to be good. No, not quite. There's okay, that's why of, I want to clarify. A couple of mistakes there. That's why I, I, yeah. I warned you this is a course, but even if somebody comes away with a little bit of an inkling what this is about, uh, I think it's worth it. Um, God is absolutely good. Or absolute good is what we call God. Included within absolute good is the possibility, not the necessity, because as soon as we say that God has to do anything, that's a limitation. And God transcends all limitations. So good, absolute good, includes the possibility of while being already good, necessarily good, include the possibility of a goodness born of choice. You and I are the manifestation of that divine possibility. God doesn't have to manifest that possibility, but creation is God making manifest the possibility of goodness born of choice. And so here we are. We are a piece of God in a world with, with, with a Yetzirah, with an inclination to do bad, in a world that is very seductive and, 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 and can easily draw us to bad. And we are battling these, these challenges to choose good. And when we do that, we are living our service, which is to be the embodiment of a goodness that is born of choice. Hmm. Now, does the flip side of that mean that anything that seems bad to us is that meaning because if we have the choice to choose good, that means we can also choose bad and therefore bring bad into the world. Absolutely. But that's coming that's from human beings, point. ultimately. That's the whole point. Uh, it's almost like saying, does God have to be good or can God choose to be good? Now, if you say God can't choose to be good, that would be a limitation. If you say that God has to be good and can't choose to be good, that would be a limitation. So we're saying something that's really the most unlimited description of God. God, while having to be good, is free to choose to manifest a goodness born of choice. Hmm. We are that part of God. Wow. Each and every one of us is a part of God. What part of God are we? We're the part of God that can choose good, which means we can also choose bad, you know? Um, and, uh, and that also explains why there's bad in the world. Hmm. Because what's good about bad is without it, there couldn't be a choice to be good. When we return, Soul Talk, read by David Aaron and Leora Mandel. The Tamar Yona Show.
Tamar, she's sassy. She's smart. She's funny. But she's also a real Jewish mother. Hi, everybody. I'm Tamar Yona. And yes, I can be all of those things. But at Israel News Talk Radio, I'm here to bring you the news stories and guests that you may not hear anywhere else. Join me live on air Sundays, Mondays, and Tuesdays for the most unique and bold talk radio in Israel. The Tamar Yona Show. Hello, this is Soul Talk with Leora Mandel and Rabbi David Aaron. Really, I opened up a course and a question <laughs> trying to understand what does God want from me? Why was I created? Why was man created if God is all the all perfect, all good being? And I'm still trying to clarify and understand. I actually took notes because I really it's important that I try to understand this. God is absolute good and included in that is the possibility of a goodness point of choice. But we are the manifestation of that ability to choose. So really. The purpose of my man, the purpose of me being here is comes down to the choices that I make. The goal you got is, it. yeah. So that's that it. part, okay, that's important. To make clearly. choices. We are here to make choices. And so, you know, you're, you're waiting for the bus and that bus drives right by you uh, and didn't notice that you were at the bus. Now you have a choice. Either to curse that guy or to bless God and say, okay, this is an opportunity for me to practice judging to the side of merit, for me to practice calmness and trust, for me to practice um, uh, an opportunity to uh, make a phone call to a friend and say some kind words. Uh, and look at every situation in your life as an opportunity to choose good. And so, like I mentioned before, uh, the standard description of why God created the world is to give of his goodness to other. What does that mean to give of his goodness to other? Other than God, you and I are other than God. We're not God. And he's going to give us his goodness. Which What is his goodness? His, kindness is his goodness. Compassion is his goodness. And he's giving us his goodness, which means he's giving us an opportunity to choose and to practice goodness. So most people think that God created the world for us to feel good. And no, God created the world for us to choose good. Mm. And by the mm. way, when you choose good, you'll feel good. So that was actually a question I literally just wrote down right now. Um, does God's good always feel good? Mm -mm. No, it could take a while. Just like um, some of the best things for us take a, a, a good time to to realize that this was actually really good. And there's plenty of times that we're going to look back at a situation we were in at the time we felt it was terrible. And now looking back at it, we realize it was really transformational and it was the greatest gift of my life. And I've asked people, my students, can you think of something that at the time it happened, it felt so bad. And yet now that you look at it, you realize it's a tremendous source of blessing and it launched you into a whole new level of life. So, um, but, but, but this is really practically, simply, we are here to do good. And, and to do good, not the good that comes natural, but also to do the good that does not come natural. In fact, <clears throat> one might make an argument that most of the reason we're here is to do the good that does not come natural. Because hmm. then that's really good that's, that you chose. 
you know, a person that loves to have people over and they enjoy company. So they're doing a kind act and they're being hospitable. But what if that, you know, uh, your, your, your husband or your wife says, you know, honey, I, I really want us to have some quiet time. Uh, and I know you love to, to have guests over, but let's just spend some quiet time together. And your first inclination and your second inclination, your third inclination is, no way. I love, I'm such a social butterfly. What are you and I going to talk about just being alone this weekend? And that might be exactly the choice you need to make, which is just transcend what the good that comes natural for good that you choose. Hmm. And uh, not that you'll be asked to do that all the time, but there will be plenty of times that we, you will be asked to do that. And it's important to understand that this is when you're really participating in your life's purpose. And so everybody's here to do some kind of good. You know, there's a story about, I probably shared this story before, but it's such a beautiful, powerful story. It, they referred to the, uh, he was referred to as the hunchback. I can't remember which concentration camp he was in, but he was in a concentration camp. And he uh, had, um, had done something that aggravated a Nazi soldier and the Nazi started beating him with his gun, with the end of his gun, the handle of his gun, broke his back and he became a hunchback. And he was, uh, he was sitting in front of the fence of the concentration camp and feeling so absolutely despaired that, that his life has no meaning, no purpose. He's really good for nothing, good for nothing. What good am I? And so he was about to throw himself into the electrical fence and kill himself. But he suddenly heard in his head what his rabbi used to always say, there's never a time that you can't do a favor for another Jew, for a brother. And uh, he said in his head back to his Rebbe, but I'm now good for nothing. I, I'm worthless. There's nothing I can do, no, no help I can offer in this concentration camp. We're all helpless victims. And I even more so now that, now that I'm a hunchback and completely crippled. But then he heard again in his, in his head, his rabbi say, there's never a time that you can't do a favor for a friend, for a brother. And um, he said, but I, I can't. I, I, what can I do in this situation, condition I'm in? And then suddenly he realized there is something he could do. He could listen. He could listen. And he could offer a compassionate ear. So he became very famous. He would sit at night and hold people's hand. And as they would talk about how they miss their wife and their children, how they lost their wife and their children. He also lost his wife and his children. But he sat there and he gave some, the, the greatest gift that they needed and they were able to receive, which is his empathy and his compassion. And so, uh, you know, um, this really bottom line is, what good are you? We're all a good, and there's so much good that we could do. And I challenge my students, you know, we all have, I don't know if all of us have, most of us have a smartphone. We have a technology where we can actually send messages so easily. We don't even have to, have to write it, we can dictate it. 
and I'm and I'm and I'm encouraging everyone listening today to this uh, talk. And right when we end, or even now, think of somebody that hasn't heard from you in a while, and write him a kind note. You know, kindness is not just giving money. Kindness is also a smile. Kindness is also a good word. And sometimes a good word is harder to give a person than money, and yet more valuable for some people than money. Hmm. You know, what you're sharing is actually very comforting to me because you know, there's times we work on ourselves and we feel like we integrate something to the point that we don't have to think about it. We just are. So let's say when it comes to helping people out. I like when someone asks for a favor or I'm going to do something that it comes immediate. Great. No problem. Gladly. Of course, don't think too hard about it. No big deal. And then sometimes I can't explain why someone will ask for something or I'll do something and it's so hard and it's difficult and I have to fight against myself. And those times in the past until you, without understanding what you're sharing here would bother me. Why can't I just be the kind of person that doesn't have to fight with myself? I just be the kind of person like sometimes you see people, it seems to come so easy to them. I guess we don't really know what's going on inside of someone else. Or sometimes for myself, it just comes so easy. And it, I want to be that kind of person that it isn't a struggle. It just seems more immediate. And yet the irony is what you're explaining here. And it does make sense. I just never really thought about it this way before is that it, instead of feeling frustrated with myself that I have to, so to speak, fight against myself to do something good. Those are actually the more qualitative times of giving and doing when it doesn't come as easy and it isn't seamless, but I do have to, so to speak, struggle with myself. Um, it just turns it all around, but it does make sense that those are times that I used to be frustrated with are actually more significant. That's, you got it. You really, you really hit it. Uh, that's it. You know, I think a lot of us have been fooled to think, be natural, be natural. But there's a lot of good that doesn't come to me natural. But when I choose to do that, even though I don't feel like doing it, I choose to do it anyways. That is a very rich demonstration of kindness. That's true kindness. Mm. You know, it's like love. You know, it's unconditional love. When can you demonstrate unconditional love? Only when the conditions are challenging your love. If all the conditions are in favor of the love, then that's easy, you know. But when you've got a good reason to not love, but you choose the path of love anyways, you don't feel like being nice to this person, but you choose to be nice to them anyways. You are demonstrating tremendous self-transcendence and you're expressing a very rich form of goodness. And that's what it says in the oral tradition. It says that God looked at the end of creation and he saw that it was very good. Every day, God saw it was good, but at the end, he saw it was very good. So our rabbis tell us good is the good inclination. Very good is the evil inclination. What? That doesn't make any sense. Why would very hint to the evil inclination? And now we understand it because it's the evil inclination that makes good very good. The good inclination demonstrates good. The bad inclination, which challenges the good inclination, creates the opportunity for something very good. Mm -hmm. So when you do something good naturally, that's really good. But when you do something good, not naturally, but it's something you chose to do, you, you, you struggled with it, you rose to the challenge and you chose to do this good, even though you didn't feel like it, that's very good. And that's such a different way of thinking about 
um, again, their struggles, because I think oftentimes we think, well, I'd rather not struggle. Wouldn't be, I'd be a better person, so to speak, if I didn't have to struggle, if I was just a nice person, so to speak. And what you're pointing out is that, no, it's the struggle and not listening, not giving into the struggle to go in a negative direction, but to do something positive. That itself is what makes me a great person. When we return, Soul Talk, read by David Aaron and Leora Mandel. In a time where feelings have become fact, where rational thought and common sense has disappeared, one man stands above it all. I'm Howie Sobaker, your political hitman. Political Hitman airs every Tuesday at 11.59 p.m. North American time, 7 a.m. Israeli time, only on Israel News Talk Radio. Are you interested in transforming your life, drawing closer to the Creator, and uncovering the deeper meanings and hidden treasures in the Hebrew Bible? Then join me, Rav Yitzhak Michelson, and me, William Hall, on the Science of Kabbalah, where we are seeking to narrow the gap between what we understand of our physical and spiritual worlds. So make sure to tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Israel Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, here on Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome back to Soul Talk with Laura Mandel with Rabbi David Aaron, really getting a whole new understanding of what it is that I'm here for and how significant the choices that I make. And specifically when there's a struggle, when I have to struggle with the choice that I make. And we just had to take a break, but I want to ask you just another clarification and understanding how this applies, because to me, it is such a different way of thinking about things, even though it does make so much sense. And it's taking what in the past feeling like what's wrong with me that I have to struggle to do the right thing. And instead of seeing that as a problem, seeing that as something wonderful and realizing when I make a positive choice with the struggle, it's much more significant than not having a struggle and doing something good. So how does this work with our thoughts? Okay, let's give an example. Let's say I'm an argument with somebody and I really want to say something that's not nice to them. And I hold myself back. I would have thought that isn't it better to never have a negative thought to say about someone even come into my mind. Like these are the really righteous people that would never even think to say something nasty to somebody else like that to me would be the kind of person I'd want to be. On the other hand, it almost sounds like we're saying, yeah, well, you have that thought, but as long as you don't act on that thought, you're actually in a certain way, that's actually the better position to be in than not having the thought in the first place. Would, would that be true? Yes. Uh, on the other hand, uh, we, I, I want to uh, clarify that we, God willing, will work on that and get to a point that we won't have those thoughts and then we'll have something else that we can work on. Ah, Okay, so it's almost yeah. like going up in the challenge, right? You think of it like, so to That's speak, right. a game. That's right. And so, uh, but I, I think people are finding lots of reasons to blame and shame themselves into feeling bad about themselves. Like, why did I have a bad thought? You know why? Because you're human. Because you were, you have what's called the Yetzirah, this, I call it the anti-self. <laughs> there's, a, there's something inside us. Uh, that just kind of challenges us a, a little, a little inner foe, and um, and we have to realize that the inner foe is like a sparring partner, and you know you're learning how to be a champion boxer, and you've got this coach that's shooting, you know, shooting punches at you, and you don't understand why, but you realize that he's he's not your enemy, he's really there to help you master and perfect your skill. 
And so realize that the skill, the challenges in your life is an opportunity to, for mastery, for even, even for, for, to demonstrate the very good side and not just the good side of you. And, um, and I think this is so important because, um, you know, it, it's a weird thing. It says in the Talmud, the greater the person, the greater their Yitzhahara, the greater their inclination for evil. Hmm. And like I said, whoa, what am I supposed to do with that? Like, I thought, if, you know, does that mean what's, what's in store for me? If I, if I become a greater person, I'm going to have a greater inclination towards being a bad person. And uh, based on what we're sharing here, well, that's how you grow. You know, uh, you know, when, when, when you go, when you up your game, then the challenge goes up with you and you're, and, and then you're going to beat that and you're going to up your game. And then the challenge is going to go up too. You know, it's like these computer games and you, you, you won level one. And so don't think that level two will be less challenging. You went to level two because you're ready for even more challenge and, 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 and greater success in overcoming that challenge. Hmm. And there's a part of me that says, well, do I really want that? On the other hand, we don't want to be playing Candyland and checkers for the rest of our lives. <laughs> there is something to, we want to graduate to more sophistication and more fine tuning because that's what we're capable of. Well, you know what? They find that people love mastery. You know, like, uh, they, you know, research is done in terms of what motivates people. So let's say you give them a job and you're going to pay them a lot of money, but there's not much challenge in the job and not much opportunity for really mastering a discipline or a skill. And they find that the money is not motivating enough. You can have a person that gets paid less in a job that's more challenging and offers them more opportunity for mastering a skill or a discipline. And they're more motivated because mastery is motivating. Hmm. So ultimately we thrive on challenge. And, and in a sense, that's what actually, I think makes me, you know, with everything you're sharing, that it's when we are challenged in a given area, it actually is more significant when we make the choice to do good with a challenge than if there is nothing challenging us. Um, and it's much more satisfying. It's very true. So well, with that also- th- th- this brings us to the idea that a lot of people have think that the world is an amusement park. And so they're very, very distraught because it's not so amusing. It's difficult. It's challenging. There seems to be a, another thing going wrong that I have to, I have to, you know, face in and, 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 and embrace to get higher. And that's because it, it's, it's not an amusement park. It's not a merry-go-round. Uh, we're here. It's a gym. And in the gym, a coach is going to give you, you know, difficult things, you know, heavy things to lift up to build you. So we are here to be, to build and to be built. And it's a gym. That's a totally different way of looking at it. But in a sense, it makes sense because just like we understand that physically there's building our body up. There's also the idea of spiritually building and just the way physically, the way to build is we have to challenge ourselves or we're not going to be building muscle, so to speak. Makes sense. that spiritually too. We have to challenge ourselves. So that really means then that meaning the more challenging, the choice, the more significant, which means you could have two people doing the exact same thing, even good things. And one, the good, the impact of the good is so much more significant if they had some resistance towards doing that good. than the one who maybe there was no resistance whatsoever, didn't think much about it, didn't 
you know, it's still good, but there wasn't. Yeah, much yeah, yeah. We don't want to diminish, you know, the, the natural good that people do. But a lot of people, you know, they thrive where the good comes natural. But when the good doesn't come natural, they just simply, you know, neglect it and avoid it. But that's really where you want to put your energy. Not just what come natural, but what comes by choice. Okay, so now bring back to, you know, why did God, what does God need from me, which you're really answering. So what do my good choices, when I do make these good choices, what do they, so to speak, do for God? I see what they so do for I, me. I, I'm uncomfortable with saying that God needs from me because ah, the doesn't need anything. Need exactly. It's a very good point. Right. Yeah. It also it also makes it makes it turns it into there's me and God. Ah, you know, okay. God okay. needs something from me. But Judaism teaches is really nothing but God, nothing but absolute good included within absolute good is the possibility for a goodness born of choice. We are the embodiment of that possibility. That's what it means that God created us. And so we are, um, so to speak, if God wants to make manifest the possibility of a goodness born of choice, then we are necessary. Hmm. But to say that God needs us implies that it's like, it's like saying, I need my hand. Hmm. But my hand is not something outside of me. So it would be more correct to say my hand is an essential part of me. Ah. Okay. So we are an essential part of God, but not a necessary part of God. In other words, as I mentioned, we can't describe God as having to do anything. He doesn't have to make manifest this possibility. He's free to make manifest this possibility. But it's important to understand that if God freely, so to speak, makes manifest the possibility of goodness born a choice, then the human being is a essential part of God. Hmm. Know that I'm so really what glad does God I get out of this, so to speak. Uh, just being God, hmm. <laughs> absolute good is being absolute good, and if included within absolute good is the possibility of a very good, then we are the manifestation of the very good part of God. When we make those choices, so what about okay? When we make choices that are very good, then we are that part of God which is very good. But what about when we make problematic, bad choices? Where does that put us? Well, when we make of- problematic bad choices, we can cash in on that. Because if when you fall, you decide, I'm going to get up. Wow, that's really impressive. So much so that a person can actually think maybe I should intentionally fall so that when I get up, I'll do something of, of great heroism. But you're not allowed to do that because who says you're going to actually get up? Mm. So uh, some say that that was really the mistake of Adam and Eve, that they thought that if they were to sin and then, you know, repent and choose to stop sinning, that would be a tremendous show of greatness. But you're not allowed to do that, you know, even though one could make an argument that that would make sense, but you, you can't take that risk. But mm-hmm. the important thing is that a person should understand that no matter how low they fall, they could turn that into an opportunity, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so, so I, I, I just love the optimism of Judaism that, um, you know, you, you, can, you can turn your bad situation into something that could actually bear you great spiritual profits. Hmm. You know, that the visualization I'm giving with what you're talking about is planting a seed in the ground and seeing it rot. But then from the rot is what the new growth comes from. 
unless many, yeah. and if that's what happens, then that rot was actually very significant. But if the rot just stays a rot and nothing new comes out of it, then that's just sort of the end of the line. But meaning what you're pointing out, I think is the way I'm thinking about this is that even when we do make the wrong choice, we do bad, but if we end up coming back from that learning, growing, something good will come out of it, then that in of itself was almost like, again, having that resistance, it's more significant because it's sometimes very hard when you go off course to get back on course, but then it's all the more significant because of the challenge. Well, that's what the Talmud teaches that we're a, a, a returnee, a, what's referred to as a bal tshuva, someone who does repentance, trend, uh, supersedes or goes beyond someone who was righteous their whole life, which sounds unfair. You have a person that was righteous their whole life and here's a guy that did a bunch of transgressions, but he changes his way and he works very hard and he, and he, and he takes a new path. And that's considered someone that goes beyond somebody who is righteous. And, and that's the point that, and the truth is that there's nobody who's really completely always righteous. You know, we all have our Yitzhahara, we all have our evil inclinations and our challenges and the goal is to choose good. In whatever situation, always ask yourself, how can this situation be an opportunity to make a good choice? Wow. I want to thank you all for joining us. Soul Talk, Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips with scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. Howdy, this is Rita from League City, Texas, now living in Israel. And though my heart may have belonged to Texas, it now belongs to Israel and all the fantastic show hosts at Israel News Talk Radio. Hi, this is Michael Solomon from Kiryat Arba, Israel. And why do I love listening to Israel News Talk Radio? Because I love listening to the interesting interviews they do and their news reporting that most other media sources don't cover. Hey, this is Nicole Eko from Malmo, Sweden. It gets pretty cold here in Sweden, so I love cuddling up with a warm cup of tea while I listen to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, everybody, this is Frank Norris from Tennessee. Me and my dog Buster really love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. <laughs> You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.